0: Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you for your gifts. I just want to mention a few things on the table um, to clarify. Everything on that table that we sell goes for 50 missionaries that we support. And so we don't take a dime uh, from anything, but it's a good resource for you uh, as well as helping missionaries. This is um, my book. On the Holy Ghost, the Pastor ordered some of them. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people get filled with the Holy Ghost reading this book. Uh, I went to the uh, uh, the uh, Acts 6:4 conference. I don't know if you know about it. Um, I went to the Acts 6:4 conference in January. A missionary couple came up to me and they said we gave this book to a lady in our, in the church, and she had been seeking for years. She read the book and she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. She told her mother about it. Her mother said, speaking in tongues is of the devil. And she said, Mama, would you just read this book? Her mother read the book, and she found out it's not from the devil. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost. So it's helped a lot of people. Uh, we have districts of the Assemblies of God that, that order 100 at a time, sometimes 400 at a time. One district ordered 600 for their ministers. So I uh, encourage you to see about that. And then this uh, is my book on healing, giving God an opportunity, like I spoke about a while ago. One night, I prayed for the sick in Nicaragua a few years ago in one of the churches we started, and there was a lady who had a paralyzed hand, and she couldn't open her her hand for eight years. And I didn't touch her. I just went over to her, and I said, I want you to try to open your hand. And when she tried, she opened her hand for the first time in eight years. And that's what I'm talking about giving God an opportunity. I'm not talking about uh, doing that in an atmosphere that's not conducive to the move of the Spirit, but I'm talking about when the Spirit of God is moving and when we have an a opportunity and the healing virtue of Jesus is going out, you try to do something that you couldn't do. Try tonight. Bring people that need healing, and we'll see what God will do. This is my book on Jesus one uh, one evangelist who used to be a camp meeting speaker, he's probably 90 now, but he went all over the United States and uh, preached in camp meetings, great preacher, I've heard him. He said, I believe that's the best book I've ever read. It's all about Jesus. It's called Forever Relevant. A Baptist lady read this, and she said, I cried all the way through that book. I've been in church all my life, but I've never seen so much about Jesus that I saw in that book. Uh, this is a book that I got recently. and You might have seen uh, this particular man, Jim Wolf Woodford, on television. But he talked about having uh, died and he he was an airplane pilot, but he was an atheist. But just before he died, he said, God forgive me. And he said he went, through a corridor to heaven, he saw Jesus, and he describes all that he saw. And he was uh, virtually dead for 11 hours. It kept him on life support. And he came back to that body. I wish I'd have been there to see that nurse (laughs) because she said, I'm I'm through with this. She didn't want to do that anymore. And um, so you read the story here. It's a great story and one of the books that we have out there, we like those kind of books that testify about Jesus and about His power. This is uh, the best book I got on the table. It's the Fire Bible. It's called Life in the Spirit Bible, but it's in, it's known as the Fire Bible overseas, and it's helped. Well, uh, for example, the sons of God sent three million of these to China in the early '90s. I met Don Stamps, the writer of these notes, and he was a great man of God. He was Lutheran, went to Brazil, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, became an Assembly of God minister, and uh, and wrote these notes that were so powerful for the people there that the Assemblies of God commissioned him to finish the Old Testament, which he did two weeks before he died of cancer. and. Uh, I think it's Dr. Horton, one of our great theologians, said it's the best Bible notes that you can read. So I, I recommend it. You might have seen on the screen that we give these out to pastors overseas. And this is finally, this is a book by Dr. Gary Royer, a personal friend of mine. We met each other back in 1982, I think it was. And then he came to Southwestern and taught with me Uh, I was the chairman of the missions department. He was in my department. But um, when he was a missionary to Brazil, he saw a lot of demon-possessed people delivered. And then he got his doctorate, wrote his dissertation over that subject. And this is called Out of Darkness into His Wonderful Life. But he has steps of deliverance, not just for demon-possessed people or how to help them get delivered. But he has steps of deliverance for Christians. No, we don't believe that Christians are demon-possessed. But he does believe, like I believe, that Christians allow strongholds in their lives. Have you ever seen a, an angry Christian? I've seen him. I know, I know of one that leads the singing at a, at a church, or did, and uh, come home and curse and put his, Pentecostal, and uh, put his hand through the wall, get mad at his family. Um, have you ever seen a Christian gossip? One came to a pastor and said, Pastor, I want to lay my tongue on the altar. He said, I'm sorry. Our altar's not long enough for your tongue. So, you know, there are Christians that are hurting, that need help. That book will help you. I think it ought to be taught everywhere. All right. We're going to look at some Scripture, uh, and they, they're going to help me out with this. They're going to put the Scripture up there. And uh, we're going to start in the book, of Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 18. Would you stand for the reading of the Word? This might be the last time you get to stand for two hours. Unless you say amen while I'm preaching. Because I preach shorter when you say amen. Some of you are trying to get me to shut up now. You say amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So it doesn't work that fast. Let's read about the rich young ruler. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute it unto the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. I'm preaching on the subject of what you have is not enough. What you have is not enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, oh, Lord, for all the prayer that's gone up. Oh, Jesus, I prayed on the way up here constantly for this service. We want to see the move of God, and I pray that you would anoint me with a mighty anointing of the power of the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. 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 This is a story you're all familiar with of a young man. He did a lot of things right. He came to Jesus. That's the best thing that you can do when you're young. It's the best thing you can do at any age. But the majority of people get saved before they're 20 years of age. So he was young, and he came to Jesus, and then he asked the right question. It's the most important question you can ask in your life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the right question. Another thing he did, he said, good master. He recognized goodness in Jesus. Good master. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's the Father. And why did Jesus say that? When he's denying his own inherent goodness? No. He was saying, you've seen good in me, and therefore, you've seen the Father in me. Hallelujah. Because that's the source of Of goodness. And then this young man uh, had a lot going for him. A lot of great things going for him. He was young. Hallelujah. I used to be young. I know what it's like. It's hard to remember, but I used to be young. He, He was young. And in the second place, he was rich. What's wrong with being rich? Nothing wrong with being rich. It's not wrong to have possessions as long as your possessions don't possess you. Hallelujah. And it's even better to have wealth while you're young. Amen. Some people work all their lives just to have a retirement. But wouldn't it be great if you'd had all that money when you were young? But then there's something else about this guy. He was a ruler. He was in charge. Amen. Every every guy I know wants to be in charge. Some of them have to have their wife's permission, but they want to be in charge. Amen. If you don't believe that, just uh, just watch who grabs the remote control at the house. But anyway, uh, he was in charge, a CEO. So he had a lot going for him. And when Jesus, the Bible said, heard all these things, he said, you know the commandments. And he been he began to enumerate them. Let's put that scripture back up there because I want to refer to it. Um, uh, Look at what Jesus said. How many commandments are there? Ten commandments in the Old Testament. Amen. How many of you know where it's found? In the Bible. That's good. Hallelujah. It's Exodus 20. And if you want to remember how to remember where it is, there were ten commandments. Exodus is the second book. Two times ten, twenty. And uh, I've memorized hundreds of verses of Scripture. And you sometimes you have to put little memory devices through them. How many of you have memorized Scripture? Huh. Well, uh, some of you are not living according to the Bible. Because the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my Bible, that I might not sin against thee. No, it doesn't. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. I don't mind that sin against thee. Uh, so, we know that there are ten commandments. But look at the ones Jesus enumerated. He said, do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor the father and the mother. Why did he stop at five? I have a theory. It's not necessarily biblical, but I have a theory. I believe that he stopped at five because a young man interrupted him. He was... He was disturbed about what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus began to enumerate the commandments. And he said, oh, I've done that all my life. I'm I'm good. He was patting himself on the back. He knew everything was okay because he'd been doing that. But look at what Jesus said. He said, one thing thou likest, one thing you like. Go and sell all that you have and come follow me. He went away very sorrowful. You know, Jesus can look into everybody's life here and see if there's something missing. Hallelujah. He knows. He knows that one little thing. You may come to church with a big smile on your face and a big frown in your heart. You may come to church and everything outside looks okay, but there might be something that's destroying you inside. And Jesus knows it. He can put his finger on it. If you'll allow him to this morning, he will tell you what you need to do to please him. Now, let's go to the second one. This scripture is about Martha and Mary. And, and we uh, go ahead and put that one up there. Now, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Whose house was it? Martha's house into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was comforted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. Hallelujah. You're going to have to excuse me. I'm going to have to get down here. If you don't say amen, I try to get close. Hallelujah. So it was Martha's house, and Jesus came, an uninvited guest. Of course, he was always welcome. Is Jesus always welcome at your house? Hallelujah. And there were no cell phones. There was no way of communicating with Martha to say I'm stopping by, but he did come, and And how would you feel if some important, this was the king of glory, the king of the ages, the king of kings, how would you feel if somebody important dropped by your house and knocked on the door? You might not be prepared. I believe that's the case with Martha. She invited him in, but man, she started the cleaning And she started tidying up. She started doing everything she needed to do, even fixing a meal. And she was scurrying about doing this and doing that. But Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And and Martha began to notice this. I'm the only one working here. And she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you see that Mary is not helping me? I don't know exactly how she said it. But in the vernacular today, she might have said, tell her to get her lazy self up and help me. But Jesus said, Martha, you're worried about it. Many things that you have to do. But Mary's chosen the good part. The good part is to take time to listen, to sit at the feet of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. I believe our churches, many of our churches, or in a place like that. Our churches are so busy about doing church business that they're not seeking the king. Hallelujah. I know of a church that runs several thousand and um, they have to, the the preaching is limited to 23 minutes and they have uh, multiple services and they have to get people in and out. You know, it's just the logistics of it. But uh, so they, They don't take a lot of time with the altar. In fact, uh, they don't have an altar call except just pray with people from the pulpit and if you want further instruction, go to the side room. I told my students when I was at Southwestern who were going to be preachers, I said, you have got to give altar calls. Things happen around the altar that are not going to happen unless they get around the altar. It's important. And I said, even... If uh, you're reluctant and afraid nobody will come, give easy altar calls. Say, if you love your mother, come up here, you know. And you might get some people that weren't coming ordinarily. Amen. It's not our business to get people saved. It's God's business. But we have to give them an invitation. I went to a church that um, was a packed church. You know what a packed church is? That's when a large church starts a small church. That's what they call them in our area, and uh, this large church of 1,500 has started a church, and it was running about 75, and the student that they had, or the pastor they put in charge was one of my former students, and so they asked me to come down and preach at that church so that some folks would get filled with the Holy Ghost. The pastor called me, and he said, Dr. Jones, he said, I haven't preached on that. You ever preached on that? He said, no. He said, uh, and I don't know if people will leave if you come and preach on the Holy Ghost. I said, uh, are you a son of God? He said, yes. I said, you have an obligation to preach the Word of God. I said, it doesn't work like that. In the Bible, the way it worked was Peter preached one sermon and 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost. That's the way it's supposed to work. The power of the Holy Ghost is supposed to attract people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I said, uh, it'll be okay. I came down, and one of the young ladies from the uh, church met me, and she said, I've been praying all week for this service. She said, because nobody comes to the altar here. I said, they will. They will. And uh, so when I gave the altar call, I just said, I want everybody to come to the altar. How hard is that? And everybody came. Hallelujah. Nine got baptized in the Holy Ghost. One man came up to me. He said I've been coming to this church for 3 months. And he said I I had to force myself to come. He said I knew I needed to be in church. I just kept coming because I knew I needed to be. He said but this morning was different. I got up and I was drinking my coffee. My hands started shaking. I felt something like I'd never felt before. I couldn't wait to get to church. And he said, when I got to church, my wife and I came down here. Both of us got baptized the Holy Ghost. He said, that's what this church needed. He's a new convert. I'm telling you, folks, we're missing it. We're missing it, but not letting the Holy Ghost move in our services and choose that good part. That church I started that runs uh, 25,000 pastor invited me one time to preach. I preached the service. They gave it to me with 30 minutes before the other buses. You see, they have eight services, and the buses come in from all over Nicaragua, and you got to have those uh, buses from the first service out so the buses from the next service can come in, and so uh, it has to. It's regimented. He has a pastor each hour, eight different pastors, and he is the the uh, principal pastor, uh, Brother Marenko great man of God, and great vision. But they gave me 30 minutes to preach. Well, uh, when they give me 30 minutes to preach, I don't have 30 minutes to preach. I have 20 minutes to preach because I'm going to give an altar call. Hallelujah. So I preached 20 minutes, gave an altar call, and I was praying for people as fast as I could to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I looked at my watch, time to go. We closed it out. They went and got on the buses. The next one came in. He said, can you stay for the next service? I said, okay. And I preached the next service, same thing. I had 20 minutes to preach. And then had to get him out of there. And then the uh, uh, third hour was uh, the noon hour. And so he had a meal prepared for us back in his office, the big old table adjoining his uh, office special room and they brought in the food, and we were eating. They started the service while we were eating. And uh, and so uh, he looked at his watch, and he said, well, it's time for you to go. And so I wiped my mouth and went on out there and preached for 20 minutes. Got people filled with the Holy Ghost. After that third service, he said, uh, you know, he caught on. He said, you need more time. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, if I had more time, we'd see twice as much happen." And said, well, let's go now. And we went that fourth service, and he interrupted it. He said, has the offer been taken? That was on his mind. That was important. And they said, no. He said, well, we'll take care of that. After that, give it over to him. And they did. Oh, I'm telling you, we had twice as many. I don't know, 50 or 60 got filled with the Spirit. We probably had over 100 baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it could have been more if we would given time to God around the altar. Oh, God, help us. People don't want to come and see a show for an hour. They need to come and hear the Word of God. They need to hear God speak to them. They need to need to move in to the altar and get something from God. Hallelujah. How long has it been since you tarried before God? How long has it been since you couldn't wait to get to church because ultimately you knew you were going to bear your heart and soul before God? Let's look at the next one. Matthew chapter 7, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven, will of my father, which is in heaven. I want to stop there. Notice, he said, it's not everybody goes around praying, Lord, Lord, everybody talking about Jesus. I'm just putting it in the vernacular. It's not everybody that presumes because they call on God he it is the person who does the will of the father are you doing the will of the father are you doing what god called you to do everybody has a call on their life i've had a call in my life all my life my dad was murdered when i was 3 i had three older brothers two older sisters my brothers became drunkards i was drunk by the time i was 10 but a lady came by the house and asked my mother if she could take me to church. And I crawled in the back of a pickup, and uh, Sister Sadie Johnson and her husband took me to the Assembly of God church. I got saved. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I read the book, the Bible, through, the, uh, all the way through when I was 11. I memorized all the titles of the books of the Bible when I was 11. I had a vision of hell when I was 11, and I heard God say to me, You must stop people from going to hell. And when I was 18, I was working on a secular job, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Will you be a missionary? You know, if I hadn't have responded yes, and if I hadn't have said yes to God, you see, folks, I wouldn't have been doing the will of God for my life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You must seek why God puts you on this earth. Hallelujah. Notice the rest of the scripture many will say to me in that day lord lord have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and then will I profess unto them i never knew you depart from me you that work in iniquity i knew a man who preached for 12 years but there was a something a faction in the church that made him decide to leave the ministry. He backslid. And for 32 years, he did not live for God. 32 years. In the 12 years that he served God, he had written a book on the book of Revelation. He had preached revivals. He had, he had pastored a church. And his daughter married a pastor, a friend of mine. And after 32 years, He went to hear his son-in-law preach, and he got back to God and lived 12 more years for Jesus. Hallelujah. And preached the gospel. Now, the reason I tell you that story is to try to illustrate a point a little bit different from maybe what you have heard this interpreted. Suppose that man had died during those 32 years and never repented. He could have stood before God one day at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, at the white throne judgment, I should say, to be specific. At the white throne judgment, he could have stood before God. And he could have said, but I've done all these things. I even wrote a book. And Jesus would have said, sorry, I never knew you. He wasn't saying he didn't remember it. But he was saying, what you've done It doesn't measure up. It doesn't matter about all the miracles and how God has used you and what all God has done through your life. What matters is how you're living now. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what you once were. It's what you are now. There are people that sit on church pews and backslide. There are people that sit in church pews that are not right with God because, you know, after a while you get older, you said, well, let somebody else do it. So you're no longer involved, and you watch your prayer life decline, and you go to church out of obligation. But folks, God never told us to stop serving God with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. He never said that. Some of you are wondering how old you are. I'm 80 years old, but I'm not stopping. Hallelujah. Until God pulls the plug. And when he pulls the plug, it's over. But I have an obligation to continue serving God all of my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it's not what you once were. It's what you are now. When's the last time you gave out a message in tongues, an interpretation? Does that happen anymore? It doesn't happen in many churches. I go to churches. I, I, I guarantee you the last year I've only had heard tongues and interpretation five times at the most. It's gone from our churches. It's gone. When's the last time you spoke in tongues? I have people all the time that get refilled with the Spirit. They call it a refilling. Who haven't spoken in tongues in 20 years? You're not filled with the Spirit because you spoke in tongues 20 years ago. If I put a cup of water up here and I, or a cup of coffee, anything, leave it for 20 years, there's not going to be any water or coffee in there. And that's the way you are. We leak. The Bible says be being filled. Ephesians 5.18, that's what it says. Plato in the Greek means be being filled. It's a constant process. And so we over and over and over and over every day we need to speak with other tongues. You're not what you used to be if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost now. Hallelujah. Not getting much amens anymore. Let's get to the last one. The last one is found in the book of Luke. Oh. That was not supposed to be up there. Is there one in Luke? That's a one one. Amen. Hallelujah. We could have used that one, but it would have drug out too long. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And you're thinking, what connection has that got to do with what you have is not enough? Just simply this. These disciples had seen Jesus work miracles. Blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. They had even, Peter walked on the water toward Jesus. All kinds of miracles. And they were talking to the resurrected Savior. And they could have said, we are ready to conquer the world. But Jesus said, no. He'd already told them to go, but now he tells them to wait. He said, you wait until you be with power from on high. Don't try to go without power. Hallelujah. Now, now God will use people who have not been filled with the Spirit. But he'll use you more when you are filled with the Spirit because the Spirit's working powerfully through you. Hallelujah. Uh, I was in a Teen Challenge uh, meeting in Oklahoma, Teen Challenge Center. And I preached on the Holy Ghost. One guy raised his hand and said, well, what about famous evangelist so-and-so? He didn't say famous, but everybody in this room would know who he was if I said his name. He said, He doesn't speak in tongues, and he's seen millions of people saved. I said, Well, what would happen if he had have been saved, had been filled? How many would have been healed and blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped? The man you mentioned went to India and preached a great crusade, and a blind man came up to him and said, Mr. So and so, would you pray for me that my eyes will be healed? He said, No. We don't pray those kind of prayers. We just pray the will of God be done. Well, I do pray those kind of prayers. I went to India my first crusade there. I had three church plants there. And my first crusade there, six blind people were healed. Why? Because we do pray for people like that. We do pray for the crippled. We do pray for the lame. And then they invite their their loved ones who see a miracle, and they want to know about this Jesus that heals the blind, the lame, the deaf, the dumb. I was in India on in another crusade. And a, a, a young man that was uh, uh, semi-paralyzed and drug his foot behind him, 22 years of age, was a Hindu. And he had, uh, he, you know, Hindus worship uh, 300 million gods. I don't know who counted, but they say 300 million gods. And, and we prayed for the sick. He, he accepted Jesus as a Savior first. We prayed for the sick, and God instantly healed him, and he testified. He said, this is the first time that any God that I ever prayed to answered me because we have the only God who answers prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. And And you'd think he might have had faith, but, but because of the miraculous power of God, it was a demonstration to him. Hindus, sometimes when they accept Jesus, they say they do. They just put his image upon the wall with the other statues. It's just uh, just another God to them. Oh, but he found the true and living God, the only one that can answer prayer. Hallelujah. So we need to be filled with the Spirit because of the power it gives us. I was in a church of 7,000 praying for people to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's right, I preach. And I'm going down the line. There was a demon possessed lady there. And I walked over to her. Three people were trying to control her. I walked over to her and I said, Stop! Body! In Spanish. I said, Stop! And she stopped. And I said, You want to be free? She said, Yes. You see, Jesus never touched a demon possessed person, He only spoke to them. And I said, You want to be free? When she said yes, I knew she could be free, because all the demons in hell—there were legion means six thousand—all the demons inside a legion couldn't keep him from getting to Jesus. All the demons in hell can't keep you from getting to Jesus. There are demon-possessed people everywhere. They're they're on your job. They're in school. They're they're in Washington. They're everywhere. Amen. But it takes a it takes an empowered person full of the Holy Ghost to recognize that and to help people. And so when she said yes, I said, pray this prayer to me. and never touched her. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. And when she prayed that prayer, she began to tremble. The Spirit of God came over her. She was saved by the blood of the Lamb. Then I touched her. I put two fingers on her forehead, and I said, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And she just stood there trembling. In about 15 seconds, she hit the floor, and she started speaking with other tongues. The Spirit of God gave the utterance. You need this power. Amen. Peter and John, the disciples, did not have that kind of power. They needed the Holy Ghost in filling because Jesus said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if you've been sitting in church all your life and never been filled with the Holy Ghost, what you have is not enough. How many know where Pangburn is? I just preached revival, in Pangburn, a few, few months ago. And we had 11 filled with the Holy Ghost. Only one was less than 70 years of age. Hallelujah. Been sitting in the church for a long time. Got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I went to a church in South Texas, and one lady, 92 years of age, had been in the Assemblies of God all of her life and that morning she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. What happens? How is it somebody can sit in the Assembly of God church and not get filled with the Holy Ghost? A lot of times they look at others. Well, they don't speak in tongues. Why should I? They're not your example. Your example is the Word of God. Hallelujah. You need to be filled not because of them. You need to be filled for yourself. What you have is not enough, and you can receive. Some people say, well, I know why God won't fill me. It's because um, I have a habit. Let me, let me let you in on a secret. God has never filled a perfect person. Every person he ever filled had flaws, had problems. Yeah, he'll fill somebody who smokes cigarettes. I've seen it. Because he wants to give them power to overcome the cigarette. Hallelujah. Had a man that smoked cigarettes for 32 years. Didn't think he could be filled, but he read my book. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he hadn't smoked cigarettes for about 12 years. Because he got power to overcome it, Hallelujah! Now, don't get that confused. One lady came up and I was praying for her, and she said, "It won't work. It won't work. It won't work." I said, "Why well, won't it work? I'm living with a man that's not my husband." I said, "Well, don't you love Jesus more than you love him?" I said, "Well, he he supplies the, the support I need." I said, "Jesus is a better supplier than him," and she said, "I can't. I can't." I I, I looked at her and said, "It won't work." You gotta want God more than you want anything else in the world. And if you got that something that in your heart this morning that's keeping you from serving God to the point of being filled with the Spirit, you're putting something else ahead of God. You're putting something else ahead of the Holy Ghost. Now I'll give you, I'll give you some steps to being filled. I don't know if that's the next slide or not, but I think it is. There's some steps up there. There it is. You gotta repent. How many have saved? Hallelujah. Just a few of you. <laughs> Some of you wouldn't raise your hand for anything. You think you're voting on something. Um, uh, every, every Christian in this building is a candidate for the Holy Ghost if you're saved. That's the only, that's the first and biblical requirement. You gotta be saved. Hallelujah. Two drunks were talking about this, and one drunk said the other, what do you think about speaking in tongues? The other one said, I think it's of the devil. The first one said, it must not have been, or you and I would have had it. It's not for the devil's crowd. It's for God's crowd. So if you're saved, you're a candidate. That's all it takes get saved. But you've got to be hungry. Hallelujah. You can be saved and not be hungry. I've seen it over and over. People walk out without God. Oh, that's why I like preaching overseas. I was preaching in a church of 6,000 people. And I said, everybody hungry for the Holy Ghost. I want you to come running. And they ran from the balcony. There were four men that ran down the center aisle. They tried to beat one another. I was standing at the pulpit and four men, when they got there, all four of them hit the floor, speaking in tongues. You say, Oh, they were in front of the man of God. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the hunger for God. God recognized their hunger. I've I've seen it over and over and I'm I'm praying. I prayed today. I prayed this this week. I said, God give us hungry people because I've I've stood and prayed for people that come forward who are not hungry and they just stand there. Stand there one guy had his arms crossed. And I said, "Raise your hands. Raise your hands to Jesus." He opened his eyes and said, "No." I said, Do, you don't want to raise your hands to the Lord?" "No." I just imagine if I had have put a gun in his back, he'd raise his arms. Why would you raise your arms for a thief and you wouldn't raise them for Jesus? Hallelujah. I tried to get him to worship God. He wouldn't do it. I couldn't help him. He wasn't hungry at all. He didn't want the Holy Ghost. Why he was up there, I don't know. Maybe it's because I said everybody come forward. I don't know. But he didn't want to be filled. If you want to be filled, you can be filled this morning. This is your morning if you want to be filled. Hallelujah. What do you have to do? You go after God. You you worship God. How many of you know how to worship God? Worship is different from praise. You can praise without worshiping. I've been to churches. Oh, that, that worship, that worship, you prayed over that worship. You prayed over that music, didn't you? Hallelujah. Amen. It makes a difference. I went to a church, they sang these songs, and I'm thinking, man, you could sing this to your boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and I, I don't like to be critical. I said, I had to stop myself. I'm not here to worship. Music, I'm here to worship Jesus. And so it doesn't matter what they sing, I'm going to worship Jesus. I went to the next church the next week, the very next week, and they were singing, ah, oh, yeah, this is good. And I got to listen to the words. I said, that's the same songs we sang last week. What was the difference? The anointing. The anointing. Hallelujah. So you can worship without really worshiping because we praise God for what He's done for us. But we worship God for who he is. You can praise without worshiping, but you can't worship without praising. And it's got to go to the throne of God. You've got to expect to speak in tongues. Don't come up here saying, I hope it happens. Believe that it, it's going to happen. God wants it to happen. I've seen thousands of people filled with the Holy Ghost. One, one time in Nicaragua, we had 631 baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we could have had more, but I, you know, not everybody's hungry. Hungry. If you're hungry, you're going to receive. Number three, receive. Receive. I need to demonstrate this. And I want to do that by giving my book on the Holy Spirit away to the first person that comes up here. First person comes up here and have this book. I said the first person that comes up, look at this. Hallelujah. There we go. Praise God. What did he have to do to get it? Come up here. Any of you sitting on the front seat could have had it, but you know. Uh, but he got it because he came. Hallelujah. God's got a gift for you. It's called the Holy Ghost. All you have to do is come up here. Did he have to beg? No. When you beg, you don't believe. You just come and receive. Hallelujah. It's yours. Praise God. Don't come back. Oh, God, please feel me. God, I promise. I'll. Forget all of that. Worship him. And then if strange words come to your mind, speak them. That happens. When you're worshiping God, sometimes the words will come. Anybody had that experience that you actually heard the words? One, two, three, four, five. That surprises some of you because it didn't happen that way with you. Well, it's scriptural. They began to speak as he gave the words. How is he going to give words if they don't pass in your mind? Now, in my case, they just began to come up. But I can tell you, it had to go through my mind for my mouth to speak them. So if words come to your mind, I'm not talking about you're, you're sitting in a restaurant and saying, I wonder if i got any words. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the presence of God, you're worshiping God, your purpose is to receive the Holy Spirit. If the words come to your mind, speak them out. And, and finally, stammer lips. Anybody ever had this? Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Anybody ever had that? One, two, three, four, five. I want all of you to do it now. One, two, three. You can't do it. You know why you can't do it? You can, you can try, but it's because the Holy Ghost is doing that. He's got a hold of your jaw. Blah, 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 blah. But he doesn't speak. You speak. They began to speak as he gave the words. He'll do everything but speak. Don't ever say let the Holy Ghost speak because he doesn't. It'll be your mouth, your lips, your tongue, and you'll be speaking his words. Hallelujah. I was, uh, I'll conclude with this. I was in the Southwestern. I invited a man from India to come. And uh, this man, Dr. Samuels, has preached to 100,000 people at the time. And so he preached to an interpreter, did a great job. And I told the young people, if you don't have a class, let this man pray for you. And he did. About 50, uh, 50 students were on the floor. Just everybody he was touching was. Hitting the floor. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think you 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 can only have a spiritual experience if you hit the floor. I've only I've only gone down one time and I knew it was God. The rest of the times were courtesy drops, or I got pushed down. So <laughs> so I'm one of those that doesn't fall very much. So he had me pray for him and he fell. And then when he got up, I said, pray for me. And people got in behind me, but I didn't fall. I disappointed some folks behind me, I guess. And I was speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues. I opened my eyes, and Dr. Samuel was jumping up and down. And uh, he said, you speak my language. I said, I'm speaking in tongues. The interpreter came over and said, you're praising God in Tamil. I don't know Tamil from a camel. But but I was praising God in another language. This is real. This is real. I want everybody to stand Uh As far as music, if I could just have soft music, it can be from back there. It can be the piano. I have a purpose for that. Last week we had a couple of musicians baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying all of you are not filled, but uh, you don't get an opportunity to come and worship God so often because I was a church musician at my church, and I know that. But uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to go after God. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself, is there something in my life that shouldn't be there? What is it, Lord? He'll tell you, just like he told a rich young ruler. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what's most important in your life. What is it that you need to put on the altar? Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Oh, God, oh, God, you're talking to people. I know you are. There's something that's holding you back, and God wants to set you free. I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud, and I want you to mean it from your heart. Everybody pray out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me if there's one thing in my life that shouldn't be there. Set me free by the blood of Jesus. I am forgiven. I am free, free, free. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory, 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 glory. Praise Him! Praise Him! Praise Him! Raise your hands and praise Him! Praise Him! Praise Him! Praise Him! We're getting ready for an altar call. Hallelujah! Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, give us a breakthrough. Give us a breakthrough. Start it right now. Start it right now with people yearning, yearning, wanting to run down here to get filled with the glory of God. Hallelujah. 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 I want everybody that wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to be first. I want you to start running down here. What you have is not enough. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, come on. These altars ought to be filled. Hallelujah, only 40% of Assemblies of God people speak in tongues. I'd be surprised if you had that many, but some churches do have 50%. So the majority of you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I know that, I know that. I've never been here, but I know that. Hallelujah, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, these are the ones that are going to get filled. Hallelujah, they're hungry, they're hungry. But there are more, there are more, there are more. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So what we're going to do, I know, I know it's going to be hard, but I want everybody in the altars, everybody in the altars. And if you can't get to the altar in front, you stand at one of the front pews. I want you to make a step. you, you got to make a step. you got to make a step. you got to give God an opportunity. Fill up this whole area. Hallelujah. Oh God, oh God, Oh God, oh God, I need some prayer partners. Hallelujah, Pastor, I'd like you to come up and pray with me and, and uh, I'd, like, I'd like your family to come up here and help me pray. and hallelujah, Brother Billy, come up here, Brother Billy. Come up and help me, pray on the platform. We're going to pray. We're going to intercede. You know anybody else that's a good prayer warrior. We need them we need him. hallelujah oh God oh God oh God oh God folks come on come on come on go after God come on go after God go after God you some of you don't know how to go after God go after God go after God go after God hallelujah 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 come on come on come on you got to worship him you got to worship him with everything that's in you thinking of Jesus only Hallelujah. Praising him. Not putting your minds on anything else. You got to shut out everything. Praise him. Praise him. Oh, God. I bind the devil. I bind every power of hell itself. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to believe with me that you'll fill, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That you'll be healed. Miracles will happen. When I count to three, Lord, I'm praying that when I count to three, the glory of God would hit this place. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, we desperately need you. we got to have you, Lord. we got to have you, Jesus. When I count to three, let the glory hit this place. Come on. Come on. Believe with me. Raise your hands, everybody in the building. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Are you ready? Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. If there's one word to come to your mind, speak it in the mighty name of Jesus. Get ready, get ready, get ready. One, two, three, be filled with the Holy Ghost now. Hallelujah.